Hello and welcome back to Freedom Machines with Freddie Dobbs. Today's podcast episode is proudly sponsored by Sizap, the motorcycle tracker and rider's mate. And it came in incredibly handy yesterday because Monica and I went on a pretty much 50% circumference ride of the entirety of the east coast of Tenerife. All the way around, we could then look at Sizap. It tracks the entire ride, including every individual stop where you stop, and you can save it, share with friends, loads of other cool stuff. So that is this week's sponsor, Sizap. It's sizap.com if you want to go and check them out. Right, housekeeping first. Let's see what's been going on. Okay, two days or one day after last week's episode, I took out a bike that I haven't taken out in in two years. The Royal Enfield Interceptor. Honestly, I forgot how much I love this bike. It came in the 500 pound option, which is the chrome tank. And when I went to pick it up, took it out from Easy Rider Tenerife, which is where I borrowed it from, rode about eight minutes into the desert of Southern Tenerife, and I just parked it up there in a desert underneath the palm tree and that chrome tank was just glistening and it looked so perfectly at home there. I looked at it and and I thought this is this is every bit as good looking as the Bonneville. I then put them and I won't go into too much detail but I wanted to do a side-by-side -side comparison compared to the Bonneville, did all of that, brilliant. Two things, the Interceptor, again, has reminded me about why I like Royal Enfield so much. They've brought back the purity of riding. You know, when riding is this good value, with this much style, it, it brings back everything that biking should be. And in my mind, when I'm riding it, when I'm looking at it, I just can't help but thinking this is exactly, exactly what biking should be. The amount of people over the week that have said to me, Freddie, you know, a few things. Number one, I don't ride too much. I don't want to be spending as much as I spend on a car and a motorbike because at the end of the day, for me, for the kind of rider I am, it's a toy. I want something that's at least reasonably priced and that's where the Interceptor fits in. Or you get people who simply can't afford an eight to nine K bike. And I actually, at the moment, probably would put myself fairly close to that bracket. So you've got people who just, they can't justify spending more on a motorbike than a car. And I completely get that. And then you get the types of people who want a cool looking bike for commuting, but also to take it out on, on, on fun rides at the weekend, something they can be proud to own on the weekends to take out, meet out up with friends, but, but also be able to do the commute and not be so paranoid that maybe they'll go bankrupt if it gets stolen, for example. There are so many scenarios that these Royal Enfields fit into and I just love them so much. And every time I ride one again, I am re-reminded about how much I love it. And honestly, at the end of the video, I was looking, I said to Monica, you know what? I think the Interceptor, I can't believe I'm saying it. I think it may even be a little bit better looking than the Bonneville. And this is coming from a £6,000 motorbike. They've managed to make something that is genuinely, genuinely as cool as a bike that's 50% more. You know, it's, it's unbelievable what they've done. Right, I'll move on. 
Not bike related, but this is always interesting because it's always transferable knowledge and experience from other drivers and riders. I did a survey on Instagram stories last week because the Fiat 500 that Monica and I have, it's just passed 185,000 miles. And that's as near as makes no difference to 300 thousand kilometers from a little Italian car that spent probably not a million miles off eight to ten thousand miles towing around a 300 pound trailer with a motorbike on it and we don't look after it I'll be honest Monica always gets furious at me because I just don't look after it properly and it's still going happily skipping around Tenerife who would have guessed it so I thought I'd do an Instagram survey I wanted to find out who can beat that? Who has personally owned a small car, 1.4 litres or smaller, that has had higher mileage than the Fiat 500? And the response was, well, it was interesting, but it was actually predictable if we're looking at it realistically. Out of four different nationality of cars, the Japanese, you will not be surprised to hear, out of the four different nationality of cars, there were five, six, seven, eight, nine. There were nine individual cars. There were nine different cars from people who saw my stories that have had more than 185,000 miles or 300,000 kilometers on the clock on the clock. Five of them were Japanese, one Toyota, a Honda, another Honda, a Mazda, a Suzuki. First of all, that is not surprising because Japanese, they make the most reliable vehicles in the world without question. But what's also incredibly interesting, well, what is incredibly interesting about this is the broad range of Japanese cars. It's not it's not a one-mark nation. That's why Japan is so incredible with what they do. It's not just that Honda is reliable. They've got Toyota, Honda, Mazda, Suzuki. You know, there are so many Honda vehicles in there, that Honda brands in there that build them. Basically, the Japanese, the Japanese only know how to build reliable vehicles. All of them across the board, whether it's Honda, Toyota, Mazda, Suzuki, they're all reliable. Number two, there were two German vehicles in there. Both of them were VWs. I think actually, interestingly, both were VW Polos. There was then one French vehicle, which was a Peugeot 205 with a 1.8 litre diesel engine, probably from about 1988. And then there was also one Korean car, Hyundai. So no Italian cars and... Well, I was about to say no English, no British cars, but actually, I don't think we make any small cars. I guess you could say the Mini, they come in less, but no Minis. Interesting, so there we go. Just further confirming what we already know, the Japanese build unbelievably reliable cars across the board. And I'll carry on with that Japanese theme. Uh, a bike that I've touched upon a few times on this podcast is the Yamaha MT-01. This is the beast of a bike, the 1700cc bike that I've been referring to a few times, a bike that is only going up in value. There's only one place this bike's going and it's north value-wise. If you're looking for an investment, buy one of these. And I've been speaking to a lot of MT-01 owners over the past week and a half and there's one thing MT-01 owners or relevantly here, 
ex Yamaha MT-01 owners all have in common. That is, they all very strongly regret selling their MT-01. So if you own one, my advice, don't sell it because everyone seems to regret it and they would have done anything to still own that bike. This is why, this is why motorbikes are so great and this is why I love them so much because I can sit here and I can talk about them and they can, in, in the whole, they're available to the masses. I can sit here and I can talk about dream motorbikes, but in reality, I'm just talking, I'm talking about three or 4K motorbikes, three or 4,000 pound motorbikes. I'm not having to talk about a 60,000 pound Porsche that will bankrupt you. This is stuff available to the masses. This is exactly why I love motorbikes. Okay. Two more bits I wanted to get through. Two little, what, what did I save here? Oh. Okay, there's a new pair of trainers I want, and it's from a, well, they're from an EU country. Funnily enough, I can't figure out exactly where they're from. They're called Say, S-A-Y-E. It's a very good looking pair of retro trainers. They've got a great range of stuff, and I really want to get some. And I've got to fly back to the UK for a bit of business next week, and I'm thinking about picking some up when I'm there. And I was reading about this trainer company and it says we, we um, located in, oh, here we go. Well, it does say located in Northern Portugal. This is uh, great quality by great people with a fair salary and working schedule according to EU standards. That's what's written on their website. Basically, they go on and on that they treat their workers fairly and the trainers are made in Portugal. And I did think after reading that, oh, this sounds nice. And it does always take me back to now what people have been saying about it does matter a bit where something is made. So yeah, maybe it is a nice thing. For example, I know Portugal have a very, very good reputation with making clothes, trainers, things like that. So yes, it's a selling point that I'm buying or I'm able to buy a pair of trainers that have been made in Portugal. And this goes back to, you know, does it matter? Does it matter where the motorbike that you're buying is coming from? <sighs> Maybe I'm starting to think a bit more that it is. Um, I won't go into this too much more because I keep going on about this, but you know, when I look at the Royal Enfields, for example, they're made in India. You know, Royal Enfield are, are very proud of the fact that they are Indian made. The Indians love their motorbikes and it is actually, yes, it's a British mark, but actually if you look at a lot of their marketing, um, a lot of the way they're talking, they're very proud to have made that in India. And I think actually it's turning into a bit of a selling point. The point being, Triumph don't mention as much about the the Thai side of things. You know, they don't use that as much as a selling point because they are more selling the Britishness of the bike. Whereas Royal Enfield seem to have got this good, this good balancing act between, you know, saying, yes, it's a nod to a British brand, but it's very much made in India and they're proud of that. I think they've done very well with the branding and the marketing Royal Enfield on that side. One other thing I wanted to mention, someone said to me, Freddie, um, and don't quote me on this because I may be wrong, but someone said, Freddie, um, regarding fuel prices, I read in a paper in the UK a few weeks ago that the supermarket chains actually buy their fuel at 38 pence a litre. The rest 
of the retail prices, profit and taxes. So if we look, I think the UK has now hit a record high for fuel. It's about £1.50 a litre, 150 pence a litre. And if the, the supermarkets are buying it at 38p a litre, you can see how much is added on in taxes. It, it's eye-opening, it's, it's, it's painful. It's painful paying 150 pence a litre for fuel. Where does it end? I know that I saw someone posted uh, four days ago with regards to fuel prices. Um, they were on the motorway, admittedly. It's always more expensive, but it was 188 pence a litre for fuel. The Americans listening to this will pass out with, with surprise. You will not believe it. A hundred, you did hear it right, 188 pence a litre for fuel on the motorways in some UK service stations. Right, here we go. I move on to, to something I wanted to get to in last week's episode, but I, uh, I just ran out of time. So I'm excited about this. Here we go. I'm quoting. Hello, Freddie. Great fan from Sunny Guernsey. And for those of you who have never heard of this, Guernsey is a very small island in between England and France. Tiny island, meant to be absolutely beautiful. Um, and I know very little about it, actually. Um, is it, is it, am I going to embarrass myself here? I think it's British. It is British, but they're, they're an autonomous part of the UK, something like that. Anyway, lovely area. I've never been. I would absolutely love to go. That is genuinely on my list, actually. There's so many of these nice areas in the UK that I've never considered before. And a number of these beautiful islands dotted around that, especially around the South Coast, because it would be beautiful weather too, that I must, must go to. So amazing to have a listener from Guernsey. So hello, Freddie. Great fan from sunny Guernsey. Wondering whether buying a motorbike from the same birth year as oneself is a thing. I've been toying with the idea. However, I was still breastfeeding when folk were enjoying the 1983 motorbikes. So I'm toying with the idea of buying a second bike from my birth year. I'm not sure what to go for. Um, so we can both age gracefully. Sounds a bit silly, but nevertheless. Uh, cheers and regards. Nema. Right, okay, never mind, just reading back through this. Uh, I'm guessing you're, you're 1983. Okay, let's just assume you're, you're 1983, that must be when you're born. Right, okay, you're similar age to me. 1983 motorbike. Okay, this is quite fun, actually. I, I haven't come across this before, but I really like this idea. If anyone's done this before, send me an email, dob.bs at outlook.com. Have you gone out there and bought a motorbike specifically from the year that you were born? So my task now, Nema, for you, in the UK, I am going to aim to find the coolest possible 1983 motorcycle that I can that will age gracefully and that will get better with age. Okay, I've got, what have I got? I've got autotrader.co.uk open. I've got eBay open. I'm also going to open Gumtree. Let's see what I find with these three sites. Um, it's a bit of a step into the unknown for me. I don't do much of this classic bike hunting. So let's see what we can find. I will start, let's start with the easiest place. Autotrader for bikes. So I'm excited here. I love bike searching. Okay, right. There is nothing I prefer more than this. 
I'm take, turning all criteria off, so all price criteria off, all motorcycle brand criteria off. The only thing I care about is the exact year of bike. And I can tell you what, Nemo, this is hard. If I'm on Auto Trader now, there isn't one bike from 1983. I've got 1980. God, this will be harder than I thought. A lot from 1980, but... But I don't think there'll be any from 1983. Let's have a look and see. Hmm. Okay, right. From 1982. Let's have a look. Oh, this will be hard. Okay. Right, 1986. Ah, here we go. Okay, unfortunately, you have to choose 1980 to 1990. So I've got a 10-year, I've got a 10-year bracket here on AutoTrader, but the good news, there are 165 bikes for sale on AutoTrader between 1980 and 1990. So let's see what I can find through here. I've got 1980, this is a nice one. I tell you what, this is my year, this is my birth year. I'm actually amazed at how cheap this is. Okay, I'm being so selfish here, Nama. I'm actually looking for myself now. Kawasaki Z750, 1985 model. It's that classic looking Kawasaki. It's it's burgundy. It's got 45,000 miles on the clock. It's a 738cc motorbike. It looks incredible. Circular front headlight, uh, headlamp. That, that classically styled uh, Kawasaki engine. It's from a dealer. GT750. I love this bike. This has got me thinking. Nema, I am completely serious. This has got me thinking, this is the type of bike that looks so good. Kawasaki could actually re-release it and you'd have no idea if it was an older bike or not. Listen to this, part exchange to clear, trade sale, no warranty given or supplied. Oh God, he said spurs are repair, may need some work on it, but still it's good enough looking. It's good enough looking to work on this bike. That's 1,390 pounds. And the great thing about bikes like these, if you're looking at a bike uh, from your birth year, you're, you may well be more inclined to be happy if it needs a bit of work doing because there's no rush. It's not going to be a daily ride. If you've got space in a garage, this can happily sit there for a year or so while you decide what you need to do to it. And this bike is perfectly good. It looks amazing. Maybe it needs some work, but it's a beautiful thing. 1985, my birth year. Okay, I'll stop being selfish, but have a look at those. You know, you realize actually the Kawasaki's, that's, that's a very strong place to start because the Kawasaki's from the 1980s, in my mind, were some of the best looking motorcycles and coolest motorcycles out there. I carry on. Okay, Honda CBR 500 from 1985. It looks like it could be from the year 2000. It looks great. Okay, no more being selfish. Must look for 1983. 1982, Yamaha XS. 400cc, good looking bike. The 80s, they've got good looking bikes. They really do. They're just starting. They're almost starting to come back into style now, these bikes from the 80s. Okay, 1989, 80, ooh, 86 Honda VT500 from 86. This looks like a V-twin, 52 horsepower, 500cc Honda VT500. Really nice looking engine on this one. Hmm. 
they're not they're not expensive it looks a bit like these bikes from the 80s are just in a bit of a sweet spot here actually stunning condition this bike two and a half thousand pounds for honda vt500 from 1986 there's a sweet spot here in the mid 80s for bikes that actually still aren't that expensive oh no no we're getting close Suzuki GS850 from 1982. These, are, these bikes look incredible. This Suzuki, 2,500 pounds. It's got black tank with gold pinstripes around the edge of the tank and around the edge of the side panels and the rear fairing. Completely standard condition. It's got, it's got a lovely styled engine with those air-cooled fins covering the whole engine for cooling. Original front mudguard, it's got the original chrome indicator, single headlamp, I love these 80 bikes, 80s bikes, the single chrome headlamp on the front. this is very interesting what you can get. This is an 850cc bike from a dealer for two and a half thousand pounds. You know, these are good value motorbikes, really good value motorbikes. But this 83 model, this is elusive. Or, I mean, if you want to go for a third one, Suzuki GSX 550 from 1985. I'm having my luck here. Nemo, with, with my year bikes, I must find an auto trader before I move on. One from 1983, I've got Kawasaki ZZR 1100, 1990, that's 2,900 pounds, that's a good shout. BMW K11 or K100 from 1990, not yours Nemo, but this is a very, very good shout for, oh, uh, this, this will be going up and up and up in value here. BMW K100 is the third model. It's got panniers. It's 1990 model in, it's a bit like British Racing Green actually. Really, really good looking bike. 30 years old, but definitely heading towards classic status. And I've noticed a steady increase in value, this person writes. Uh, I have hopefully priced mine sensibly to allow some very light restoration to get it into mint condition. The ABS slight. How does this have ABS? In 1990, ABS. My Bonneville doesn't have it. My Bonneville doesn't have ABS 20 years after this BMW was built. I didn't know they were doing ABS on bikes in 1990. That's, That's the German quality for you. This bike starts on the button and rides beautifully. Please feel free to call shaft drive panniers, top box. Get on to Auto Trader and start looking for bikes from the year you were born. It will open your eyes, even if you don't find the exact year. Oh, next one up. 20 year dry stored BMW R100, 1982, 69 horsepower. I'm getting close. This is an interesting one to look at. The BMW R100, they will be doing it in your year, Nama. Um, I hope I can find one for you here, but have a look at these because you're looking at around about the 3,000 pound mark, BMW R100. This is actually the 980cc model, this one. I'm going to read this out to you because you will find one in your year, even if I can't now. This has the huge plastic fairing on the front with that classic BMW boxer engine. This will be one of the most gracefully aged bikes in years to come. 
Listen to what it says. Here we have on offer the iconic boxer engine BMW R100 RS finished in grey showing 33,000 miles. We have had this wonderful bike in our ownership since 2015. The previous owner had it since 1991. The bike was dry stored in the early 2000s by the previous owner and was, so I'm just opening the page, continued to be dry stored by us until present. So this bike has been dry stored for 21 years. We've recently taken this BMW out of storage and have decided it deserves to go to home and be put back on the road and put back to its previous glory. Okay, right, theme. The Kawasaki Zs and the BMW R100s from the year 1983, maybe even all the way through the 80s, these are some really good bikes that will that will age with grace, that will go up in value and are only getting better and better looks-wise as the years go by. Right, we've got, I continue, uh, 250cc Honda, CB250, that's a lovely looking bike, 250cc Honda, but... That's 1980, 11,000 miles, 2,900 pounds for Honda CB250. This is so fun. If you don't put a motorbike model in there, you just put the, the age range of the bike that you're looking for. I've done 1980 to 1990. You get some stunners. You get some bikes that you didn't even know existed. You know, Suzuki X5. Never heard of that. Suzuki X5, 1982, X-Reg, £2,995. These are all the bikes that the modern classics, the Bonnevilles, the Interceptors, uh, the modern-day Honda CB1100s, these all look exactly the same, exactly the same as those bikes, but you're getting a bona fide classic. I could go on and on and on, and the only reason I'm not reading out bike by bike is that I want to find that 1983 one. Honda's starting to come in now. We're getting to £3,200, and in come the Hondas. Yamaha XS 250cc, £3,200. Can't go wrong with these, these uh, Japanese bikes, actually. Very, very interesting. Really nice looking bikes. Coming up to £3,500, and that elusive 1983 one is still not here yet. £3,600. Got a Harley Sportster here, 1989, first Harley I've seen. Harley's coming in at £3,600. I'm going on to page seven now. Suzuki TS100, lovely looking bike. Another Harley Sportster, that's very interesting. The late 80s Harley Sportsters are coming in at about £3,600 plus. I've got the first Honda Goldwing, £3,790 for 1987 Honda Goldwing, 57,000 miles on the clock, just worn in with a Goldwing. That will go with no issue, 100,000 miles plus. Oh, it's so interesting what you get. This is a lovely bike, 1989 Kawasaki Z550. The Z550 Kawasaki's from the 1980s are beautiful. And what we're getting now, what we're getting now once we get close to the 4,000 pound mark is bikes that are now being quoted in, in stunning condition. Now this is interesting, 4,600 pounds, 
uh, and I'm quoting, stunning machine finished in gorgeous blue. Two previous owners from this Kawasaki GT550. Two keys, 12 months MOT, HPI clear, full service history. Original Kawasaki owners in the service books from a 1989 bike with eight 1,700 miles on the clock. We're getting to some special stuff here now. Okay, this is interesting. The special stuff is coming in from 4,000 pounds. Runs and rides, absolutely spot on. What an opportunity to own such a clean example. I'm quoting there. Oh, that's a... This is getting really exciting. I can't believe I've actually now been about half an hour already. Okay, I have to be quicker. Uh, I'm gonna give myself my final five minutes uh, Kawasaki Z550. Take a look at these now. Kawasaki Z550s, really, really beautiful bikes. Get up to £4,000 and you'll start getting something quite interesting there. Okay, Yamahas, Hondas, Honda CX500. My friend's got one of those. He's building it. And this is, <gasps> ooh, first one, 1983, Honda CX500, 15,000 miles on the clock. These are very desirable bikes. I know there are a lot of people modifying these, but actually I would keep it completely standard. I've, I've got the first one. So excited. 1983 Honda CX500. These are turning into extremely desirable bikes. Now I know these well because my friend's got one. They're starting to go up in value. Let me read this to you. It's... 1983 Honda CX500e, a nice original bike with only 15,000 miles on the clock. Lots of invoices for services, etc. It's from a dealership. It's a beautiful looking bike. It's completely original. It's got the original fairing on the front and that corresponds perfectly with, with the, the tank and also the side fairings and the rear fender as well. Everything corresponds. That looks like a very solid bike. We carry on with the BMW R100s, some off-roading bikes, Yamaha VMAX coming in, four and a half thousand pounds. I tell you what, I'm going to forget about uh, eBay and Gumtree. I'm just going to finish off my last few here from Autotrader because the selection has been so exciting. I've spent the whole time doing it. Oh my, okay, I'm doing two more bikes for you, Nema, here. Just two more, and I found one of them. Whoa, okay. This is a very interesting proposition here. Incredibly interesting proposition. Wow, okay, listen to this. Suzuki GSX 1100, 1983 model, of course, 1100cc, £4,950. I'm reading this here. Sourced in Holland, this is an original example of a very rare 1980s powerhouse of a bike. Upgraded, upgraded with front braided hose, 4 to 1 Sebring exhaust, shocks, 99,000 miles on the clock, so gigantic mileage relatively, but this looks very, very nice. Lots of receipts, the bike will be serviced and comes with 12 months MOT. It's been imported from the continent and, is, and will now be UK registered uh, on an age-related number plate, etc., uh, etc. Et this is a really, really special looking bike. I know the mileage is big, but you may be able to find one with lesser mileage. Suzuki GSX 1100. It's got a kind of Suzuki Katana type front end. In fact, that could even be what the Katana's called in other places. Lovely looking bike. 
Remember that Suzuki GSX 1100 and I shall find one more and then go over my findings for you. Okay, Yamaha VMAX and another Yamaha VMAX. They're coming in another. Oh, this is a BMW R80 from 1980. Check those out. They're very nice. Few others, but I'm trying to just stick to the ones that I find uh, will be the really desirable classics. I could go on and on through these, but I'm sticking to the ones that I, uh, and I have promised, I want to find a bike that I think will age as well as you, Nama. So I'm coming to, oh, there's a Suzuki GSX-R750 slab side. They are very desirable bikes. If you like the sports bikes, I know that these slab side Suzuki GSX-Rs are desirable. 750cc, 1986 model, £6,500 we're up to here. So the money's getting more. That's 35,000 miles on the clock. But that's a very, very desirable bike. Um, I'm not as much into the sports bikes, but I definitely understand the appeal, especially for the old ones. So have a look at that slab side 750 GSXR if you're into that type of thing, because that I see the appeal hugely with that type of bike. Okay, I'm going on to the final two pages, hoping I can find an 83 model. There is a Yamaha XJ650 Turbo. Surely that can't mean there's a turbo on the bike. Yamaha XJ650 Turbo. Come on, there can't be a turbo on it, can there? Whoa, well have a look at that. Someone let me know, dob.bs at outlook.com. Yamaha XJ650 Turbo, 1983, £6,980, 55,000 miles on the clock. Is that right? A turbo? Never heard of that in my life. Incredible. Okay. 1982, I will, 84. Right, final page. Let's see if I can get lucky and find one. Yamaha FJ1100, we're up to 8,000 pounds here now. Honda CX1982, 500 turbo. I'll tell you what, there's a Honda here. There's a Honda here that says 500 turbo. Maybe, were turbo motorbikes a thing in the early 1980s and bike companies were trying to push it because this Honda CX Turbo has turbo written all over it. So I, I have to guess with my detective skills with the words turbo everywhere that this bike has a turbo. Or was turbo just a way to say cool bike back then in the 80s? Uh, possibly. Okay, here we go. Final bit. 85, a Suzuki GSX-R coming in now. Kawasaki Z, Suzuki XN, Suzuki XNs are coming in. These are desirable, Suzuki XN85. Again, it says turbo. We've got some interesting bikes with turbo written on it. Now, okay, that's it. I could go on forever. If it were me, looking at everything I've looked at today, first things first, if you've got space in the garage and you're looking for a special bike from the year you were born, get online and have a look because it's incredibly fun. It will take a bit longer because sometimes you can't pick the exact year, but there are bikes out there. If it were my money, 
and let's say I was a, a 1983-year kind of rider. I'm, I'm born in 85, looks like uh, Nema born in 83. I would be looking at for a bike that I think will be uh, an appreciating classic, that I think will be getting better and better with age and the desirability will only increase. I would be looking at the Kawasaki Z750s, the Kawasaki Z550s and the BMW R100s. Budget of you could probably get it for less, but you know, something around about the 5K mark and you'll get that with absolutely no issue at all. But these classics I can see, you know, they'll start at 2000 pounds or so, but you can be going up and up. I'm looking here, just going to the final pages to give you an idea. The most expensive, you know, you're looking at the Honda RC330s for 37,000 pounds. The prices go up and up and up, but you can get a bike you know, you've got Ducatis here, 20K, Suzuki RG500, 20K. Anyway, I could go on and on. You can get a bike, mid-1980s, and a really nice-looking BMW, really nice-looking Kawasaki, three, three to 5K. You know, three to 5K to get that type of, of beautifully styled, very much of its time, and I mean that in the best possible way, bike that will definitely, definitely be going up in value. So take a look at those Kawasaki's and that BMW R100 Nemo. I think, I think you'll be onto a, a genuine winner with both of those, and they will be a very good investment. This is the problem with looking at bikes. I've just spent so much time and the time's flown. I haven't managed to look on any of the other sites, but hopefully that's a bit of food for thought. Thank you so much to this week's episode sponsor, Sizap. That's sizap.com. Go and check them out for your, uh, your motorcycle tracker and riders, mate. Thank you so much, everyone, to listening to this week's episode. Ping me over an email if you've got any questions you would like me answering. dob.bs at outlook.com. Have an amazing week. I will speak to you in the next one and take care.